and welcome to another episode of Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. You know, I keep thinking of doing a uh, a Yoda voice, and I think I've done it before. But but to do Yoda correctly, I'd have to say the title in a weird order. It'd be like uh, the the Ultra Critics are like but this the, the Ultra Critics the screen is beneath or something like that, and it just that'd be you've confusing. done it multiple times before, and it has never <laughs> literally never stopped you. <sighs> Uh, you you can't prove that. I I don't. I actually to, can. We that. keep these on like the website. What are you What are you talking about? Archived. This is, just, this is just like old time radio. There's no such thing as recording, right? Is this? Is my... <laughs> oh God! Have... Wait, people can just listen to this at any time? Supposedly. Oh no. All right. So welcome to another episode of Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. We have a special guest today. Say hello, Kara. Hello, everyone. And today we will be talking about Disney live-action remakes and how they will never end until <laughs> the universe dies. See, my hope is that we're actually gonna we're, we're gonna get a flip at one point, and so uh, they'll start making animated versions of live action of previously live-action movies. Because I am I am here for like a, a classic Disney animated musical style Avengers movie. What about? Never mind. Right. They could also do his animate Song of the South and just like really uh, make the uh, <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, thanks for And Kara now has to leave. Uh, <laughs> um, before we get on to that, there's one piece of news. I don't know if it's news. Um, as some of you may know, um, apparently there's this movie called Endgame, Avengers Endgame, coming out. I haven't heard of it. Is this, uh, I haven't either. Is this an indie film of some kind? Yeah, this seems like something really small, like not even something Sundance would screen. I will tell you that I made this exact same joke to someone, and then we both realized Marvel really is an independent studio. Or it was, wasn't it? It's not anymore. No, I think, I think at this point Marvel is the only studio, and any other studio is independent from it for now. Right, well, it's not only that, for but the now. fact that Disney's an independent studio, and the fact that they don't... They don't have to worry about having a bomb because they're the most financially cash-liquid yeah. movie studio, my knowledge, and historically. <laughs> and they also they also have such a degree of, like, momentum. Right. That what would a bomb look like? Right. But well, so, I tell you, it's Dumbo. And you know what? No one is doing their hands over that. Yeah, it's a... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so weird oh well, that's also like that's disney though and it has so many different heads now like and people talk about like for example one of their the various heads the star wars head people talk about solo being a bomb but a it wasn't right me. and b like it didn't i mean yeah they they are this sounds like they're gonna be not doing as many like spin-off movies but good <laughs> i'm not gonna lie i i really genuinely enjoyed say- solo but we don't I don't need that. I don't need to have backstory that I could figure out filled in with things that don't technically mesh with other things. I Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. I'm torn because one of the things we'll be talking about today in regard to live action Disney is of course Maleficent. Right, which is but the best. Real quick, the budget for the live action Dumbo. Oh god. According to Box Office Mojo. Hmm. One hundred and seventy million dollars. Did they really think that was going to be? Because Dumbo was a throwaway movie when they made it. Do you know how much it's made? <laughs> no. Ninety-three thousand. Oh. No way. That can't oh. be right. Understand? I work in a movie theater. I can believe that. Oh. That can't be right. There's no way that's right. 
No, no one's seeing it. Like, oh. That, okay. Hurts. That hurts to hear. That that's just such a domestic uh, the domestic total worldwide. Let's see. It is plus the foreign. It has 178 million. So worldwide, oh. it has 272 million. So it quote unquote has made his money back. Yeah. But domestically, well, I mean, also, like we've shown that we don't give a crap. I feel like they didn't spend as much on an advertising push for Dumbo. Like it didn't feel as aggressive as a lot of their other ones. Or maybe I just maybe it just wasn't in places where I was. Right. So I don't know. But and also like how how to calculate budget when it is nonsense anyway. So. Right. But I'm just going off the numbers they lie and give to us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there's no oversight. They can right. say whatever they want. <laughs> Not only that, but if they chose to give us that lie, then we well, what does that say? But before we dive too deep, getting back to the end game. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Mm. Um, there was a little, a, re- a little film. A press release. Uh, asking. Oh God! Oh God! Yeah. Oh. So asking mad. us to not spoil the ending to Endgame, which we weren't planning on doing. Everybody comes back to life, and the status quo is restored. Except maybe some important people die. I don't know. Iron Man. Nah. We don't yeah, know. It's a way to end their contracts. Right? I mean, that's that's. It wasn't that what it was always. I mean, that's genuinely what I always thought it was going to be. Is that it's like, oh, they're all going to die, and what they're going to do is reset the universe, but that will fuck up the timelines. They get to recast everyone. That's what Am I. I uh, yeah, that would be fun, but I don't know. That's what I've been thinking you would know, happen you know since I'm... 2012. Literally since 2012. So I thought this. Yeah, was... we've been waiting for that shoe to drop, but it never seems to. You know what? I, you know. You know what? I'm definitely here for. What? I'm here. I'm here for the people uh, who are theorizing that the uh, leaked sizzle reel was done like on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> well, as Lindsay Ellis pointed out, who the fuck needs a sizzle reel for Endgame? Right. <laughs> right. Like it could literally be nothing but like Chris Evans like doing like a weird dance with his foot, and it would be two and a half hours long, and I would sit through the whole thing and the end credits. And I would be angry while... I mean, I went to Batman... I, would, I, would, I wouldn't be angry if it, if it was just Chris Evans, like, mugging to the camera for three hours. I'd that would be, be more fine. interesting than what we got last time. Yeah, right? <laughs> that is not true, because what we got last time caused me actually physical pain, and to me, that was fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics, a podcast where all of us hate uh, Avengers Infinity War. <laughs> um... My favorite part uh, was Russo's letter they drafted. Supposedly. I haven't read it, but I read about it because I was so mad that it existed that I, I was like, I put off reading it, and then I realized that I could never read it and live a happier life. There is, the letter itself is harmless. Most of the yeah. letter is just them going, hey, fans and people who love the products and everything, uh, don't spoil it for the, everyone else. That's fine. And yeah, then like, they say at the end, Thanos demands uh, your silence. And yeah, I just well, went, the fuck is the matter with you? Yeah, but hey, like, you know what they're trying and failing to do there? One of the reasons why it actually does kind of make me mad. They're trying to do the Loki thing? No, no, oh. they're they're stepping on, they're they're trying to to evoke, at least to me as, a, as, a, as an old man, uh, I feel like they're trying to evoke the old-fashioned Stan Lee talking to the, the readers 
Like, ah, yeah, true believers, blah da 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 da, Excelsior. Except they have no personality and uh, no <laughs> style. And so they're just like, what can we say? A, a thing about Thanos. Thanos was, everybody loves Thanos after all. He was super important to our last movie. We have no concept that he might be a genocidal maniac. Like, that's, yeah, I, I think I saw somebody make a comparison. It's like, it's like at the end of, of, uh, Empire Strikes Back, like, Luke is sending out a letter saying, Vader demands your silence. Like, <laughs> screw him. He's the bad guy. Ugh. <laughs> oh, okay, I yeah, just really wanted to get that off my chest, because that was... No, it's fine. That annoyed I, the crap out of me. I, I did see that snippet, and that's the moment I knew I wasn't going to read the, any, the rest of the letter. <laughs> Kara, you have well, any thoughts on spoiler culture? Uh, it's It's actually pretty peculiar for me, because I've... I've never been into that, um, except when I was. So to me, <laughs> so this is going to sound super bizarre. Um, I can't watch horror movies, and part of the reason is there's no challenge to it for me. Okay. And I am very, and thanks will attest to this, I am exceptionally easy to frighten. It that's, is not, that's true. not difficult. I'm like, I'm like a small, like, plant eating animal like a rabbit or something it's easy to frighten me and i can't watch horror movies because of that but i'm often very excited to see how they end so whenever i see a preview for a horror movie i immediately go and read the wikipedia article to be spoiled because i'm never going to watch it but i don't like to have the mystery open <laughs> um, I've, I've never wanted to be spoiled I, I don't want people to tell me what my Christmas presents are early I like to think about it I like to play with them and shake them If I was shaking it for my Christmas present Mom was like, hey, motherfucker, it's a $50 bill Like, I would not be happy I would, so, that's a $50 I, I, bill <laughs> uh, My dad used to do that My dad used to uh, create giant boxes And then, um, like, wrap up rocks with blankets And then, oh. like, put a $50 bill in it And then he would cover the box with tape So you couldn't your, open your, it Your dad is super fun <laughs> My dad was 30 years old, balding, with two children and a mortgage, and he had to find his fun where it was. Like, <laughs> if torturing your five-year-old isn't going to make you laugh, what is? <laughs> I don't know. I cause I, I feel like this is probably well established here, but like I, like a lot of the spo- a lot of the important uh, movies of our like adolescence were spoiled for me ahead of time. Like somebody told me what the twist in the Matrix was. Somebody told me what the twist in Fight Club was. But I like both those movies anyway. So, like, I've grown up to not really care about spoilers because a well-told story, spoilers won't matter. Here's my uh, question. actually matter a lot to me. Uh, my dad made a joke some – one time he made a reference to Rosebud. And I said, what's that? And he goes, you know, Sis and Kane. I'm like, you guys haven't seen it yet. And my dad opened his mouth, and my mom, like, launched herself off the back of the couch and, like, body tackled him. It's like, Jerry! Don't be that guy. <laughs> like okay, but but I have a reverse version of that story. Mm-hmm. Okay, because... but I I just okay. have one question for you, Fred. Yeah. What is the twist in the Matrix? That it's uh well don't don't forget like I I think you may have forgotten what the uh the ad campaign for the Matrix. I must like. have because I'm like there's no fucking twist. No in one the can be told what the Matrix is like the fact that it took place in the far future oh, okay. and that they were all inside a computer. Okay. And all of that, like that. Yeah. We've, we've, like, lived too, we've lived too you long mean the in a fucking world plot? where yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, honestly, so I somehow missed that The Matrix existed until I saw it on VHS. <laughs> and it was literally, my mom was like, The hey, only way I, to watch The Matrix. <laughs> well, I went to the movie store. My mom was like, hey, I went to the movie store, and the movie people told me that you guys had to watch this, or else you'd be, like, socially deprived. So watch this movie. I'm going to go to my friend's house. <laughs> and, like, my brother and I watched it, and we're like, 
we'd seen it, it was I think that came out the summer that we moved or something. So we just like missed it in theaters. So we had no fucking idea. So I generally watch The Matrix at zero. <laughs> we I just at zero and so we were like follow That's the white pretty great too. Like I like that. I don't know. I I I'm fine with not spoiling things for people, but mm-hmm. like to not don't do it overtly. Like I'm not Eric, but uh, <laughs> you are. That's, that's, like, that's, that's a little. That's a little thing for Jeremiah there. A little pr- little present for, from me to you. Uh, <laughs> but also, I don't care if things are spoiled for me, uh, and I'm doing this specifically because I feel like we're gonna circle around this forever, and it's not the topic of the episode. Right. <laughs> I, I do not appreciate things being spoiled for me. If it's accidental, I'll let it go, but it really does affect my viewing experience. And I'm even more disappointed when people do it on purpose. So that was, I was a big Harry Potter fan. I was a Midnight Book fan. And there were the people trying to ruin the book. And I was like, what? There's a difference between I'm excited and I want to tell you about this. And I'm going to try and see if I can hurt you. And that kind of spoiler culture is pretty, pretty Yeah, no, up. that's vindictive. So here's my question for you. Clearly, since you've watched Beauty and the Beast seven times, I have. So you can watch things more than once. Yes. So how do the previous, like the preceding times, after you know what's going to happen? What do you mean? Okay, so for me, spoilers don't matter because I'm going to probably watch it more than once anyway. I know the ending; it's not a huge deal. So. If that affects you, do the repeated viewings have less of a meaning to you? No, each viewing is different. Okay. Here's 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 the way I will describe it because I feel like Kara and I do have similar uh, some strong similarities in this respect. Is that not like it, it's it's interesting because two things that seem contradictory happen. Okay. Because one, we still on repeat viewings will have a pretty strong emotional engagement with what's going on on the screen, and also we will essentially be critically dissecting what we're watching at the same time. Like yeah. it's, it's just repeated disassembly and reassembly while also just kind of, you know, experiencing the movie. It's, so it's, you're not uh, doing that the first time. No, we're doing it the first time too, but okay. just, you do it, you do but... it more on repeat viewings. The only, the only movie that I don't really analyze upon repeat viewings is Ghostbusters. Everything else. I'm I call shenanigans. I've watched that movie with you before. <laughs> yeah. But at this point I've seen it so many times that it's, I don't have anything at, like, it's just a, it's, it's more of a religious experience. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Kat. So I have a very, I have a very directed sense of attention. So I have, uh, this is going to sound weird, but I have a lot of attention to give to movies. When I give it, it's a lot. Right. And if I'm spoiled or if I know how it's going to end, that will direct what I look for on the screen and the things I pay attention to. So I get very upset with spoilers because when I don't know what's happening and I'm trying to put it together for myself, it's a different viewing experience from when I know what's going to happen. It's trying to solve the ending of the movie versus confirmation bias. Okay, so one more question. Does predictability bore you in a movie? Predictability enrages me in a movie. There's a film called White Noise that I called out. <laughs> in the first 22 minutes, I was dating someone at the time, and I leaned over, I'm like, that guy's the killer. He's like, how do you know? I'm like, because the camera hovered in on him. This is fucking ridiculous. <laughs> um, I called The Others. I've There are a few movies that I've called. There are sometimes, if I'm really locked into a movie i can actually start to say the lines before they're said because i can just hear what's coming mm-hmm. um a certain kind of predictability though is is, is lovely like i there's some movies that i know exactly how they're going to end like i know how the 2016 ghostbusters is going to end we all knew how it was going to end but it was enjoyable getting there that's why i love um 
Rogue One, I knew exactly how that movie was going to end or how it should end at least. And so the experience of watching it was the anxiety of not how will this end, but how are they going to get there? And that's a different feeling. And okay. it's very exciting for me to have a not an ending spoiled, but an ending so when so, so the real problem comes when both are unsurprising, both what the ending is going to be and how they get there are unsurprising and therefore enraging. Yes. Okay. And variations uh, on the theme, like again, I knew how Shazam was going to end. I knew how that was going to end. Uh-huh, gonna end with him. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, but we didn't know. Like even I didn't guess the particular thing that that they did a very good job of not spoiling in the trailers. By the way. Yeah, but the way that they directed it, but I knew it was going to end with like everything's okay. Yeah, everything yeah, the, the general superhero thing. Like, and I sure. knew that there was going to be oh, there's friction with him and the the other people he's with, but he, you know, overcomes it and it's not, you know, a terrible person. Like, I knew that was going to be the beats, but I wanted to see how they have it. Sure. Yeah, gotcha. Alright. Sorry. No. no, 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 that's fine. I just became really curious because I really don't care about spoilers in any way, shape, or form, and I'm like, predictability, I'm like, as long as the movie's good, I, I focus on other things. Alright. Yeah. So I for me... Hmm? Well, I mean, I, I feel like the, the one of the big things is that you are you are a much more filmic person then I think either Kara or I tend to be generally we're we're more narratively focused right. people, and so like a lot of film language stuff, it takes me a lot longer to get a grasp of. That's fair. I am, in fact, a genius. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> I honestly, I watch things for the plot the right. first time through, and if you spoil the plot for me the first time through, then I'm not watching it for any reason. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so the, I guess to go into the topic today, which we've already kind of discussed, live action Disney remakes. Ugh. <laughs> so we talked a little bit about like how Disney really can't make a bomb. Even with the movie they did bomb over here, it still made a profit. Yeah. Um, thank you, China. <laughs> hmm? She said, thank you, China. <laughs> More than likely. It's just, you know, but what's really weird is... Because I also have started to notice this with Pixar. Is that they seem to be, both Pixar and Disney animation seem to be misunderstanding the purpose of animation. Mm. Which mm. is, it shouldn't be replicating reality. Yeah. It should be replicating a sense of reality or its own reality. Because Pixar is getting real... Hmm? similitude. Exactly. Like, Pixar is getting to the point where, like, now they're, like, we always talk about, like, oh, we can see every grain of sand or every follicle of hair. And I'm like, yeah. that's awesome. But when you go see Dumbo or something like that, I'm like, it's live action. But I'm like, it's grounded in reality. I'm like, yeah, but it's a cartoon. It's not meant to be grounded in reality. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, mean, I feel like that's this is one of the big things that, that we're sort of hoping... Uh, in, uh, into the Spider-Verse, like, shakes loose a little right. bit. The idea that reaching for photorealism is not the only direction to go. Right! And, okay, perfect example of how, like, not only that, but they, I don't think they're understanding the differences of what happens when you make a transition from animation to live action. Uh, yeah, because there's an uncanny valley there, for one thing. Right, no, but um, with Dumbo, for example. Yeah. Um, how well does the original Dumbo sit in your mind? Not well. It oh. it exists at the periphery of, of my memory because I've not seen it in like 30 years. Okay, Kia? I can probably start to sing most of the songs 
in that from beginning to end. Hi, huh? Hi, like like I I own that movie. Yeah, Kara Kara is a Disney person, definitely. As am uh, I. We'll get along fine. But I, I like I can name the Disney movies, the anime movies I haven't seen. The Black Cauldron. Oh, I saw that in grade grade school. I'm an old man. Um. <laughs> So, Beauty and the Beast in theaters. Like, I could probably recite if you got me started. I could just start rolling and recite all of the Little Mermaid. Also, uh, also to demystify a thing that uh, came up sort of in the pre-show and then also briefly uh, after the show started, as uh, Kara mentioned, she's wa- even though she 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 does not like it, she's watched the live-action Beauty and the Beast seven times, but that or more probably. But that's also because the animated Beauty and the Beast is her favorite Disney animated movie. I Second, apologize profusely. Second, first is a Little Mermaid, because oh, Ariel's yeah. my truth. Um, yeah. Okay. But then Belle's my princess. You yeah, can't that was see the, it. I'm sorry, I, I had that yeah. flipped. I apologize. Yeah. Belle is your princess, but uh, Little Mermaid is your favorite. That's yeah, because I remember being a kid and being like, she, you can have brown eyes and brown hair and be a princess. Like, And she liked books. Like, oh my god. You're both along. Clearly, The Great Master Duck is the greatest Disney animated movie ever, but we'll move on. I, I mean, I have it because I have and I own it. Right again. <laughs> um, anyway, so in, sorry. In the live action Dumbo, mm-hmm. there's a moment when Dumbo takes flight for the first time, and much like in the cartoon, there are three or four kids in the audience teasing Dumbo. Mm-hmm. Now, in the cartoon, it's all from Dumbo's perspective, mm-hmm. but the live action Dumbo is from the human's perspective. Boo, I hate humans. Right, so do I. Now, in the cartoon it works because we're with Dumbo and we see the cruelty of of man. Yeah. In the movie, it's like, who are these three jackasses who have seen a flying elephant and all they can do is stick their tongue out and make fun of it? Yeah. I mean, (laughs) people... People in that day and age would see just a regular elephant and be like, "Oh my god!" Right? It's like, and I understand it's a fairy tale, but they've gone out of the way to kill that aspect of it. Well, I mean, it's just interesting because I feel like Tim Burton's late career has been all about killing wonder. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And the thing that, and I know that didn't age well, uh, but the crows have a great song. The, the crows are the ones that give Dumbo the feather in the original animated series. Yeah. And they sing animated a song. Movie. Animated movie, I'm sorry. And they sing a song, you know, I've seen most everything when I've seen an elephant fly. Right. And it's such a great moment because there's so much teasing and laughing and kind of poking fun at him. And then when he takes off in front of the crows and they're delighted. And there's this moment of like very real joy as they experience that. So, wait a minute. I just, I, I just, something clicked in my head here. So, the clearly uh, representing black dudes, crows yeah. from the original movie. I remember that. I, yeah. I, that song is one of the few from that movie that I remember. Have mm-hmm. in Tim Burton's version been replaced with white kids who don't give a crap. Oh, understand that there are no talking animals in the Tim Burton movie. Boo! Um, it is literally when I say the human, I mean. We, like uh, Colin Fell, Sandy like, Newton's what, what kid, and some other kid, like their family, and the circus gets Dumbo, and that's what happens. Dumbo, uh, for large parts of the movie, isn't even there. 
So I heard that they did something real, real weird to Baby Mine. Yeah. By the way, listeners, uh, neither Kara nor I went and saw Dumbo. That's fine. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's fine. I I wouldn't have gone had I not had to. Okay, the mother. Yeah. Okay. Mother song. What mother song? Um, uh, Baby Mine. Yeah, no, it's not a musical. I, I heard that the song was still in it, but they did something weird to it. I mean, they have the pink elephant scene. Oh God! Wouldn't they? They don't really, because what it is is at the polished, brand new, fancy circus that's and no way Disney, but it's totally Disney. They mm. have a guy doing bubble magic, and they are the pink elephants, and they have the the music playing from the pink elephants. The pink elephants. Pink elephants. Right, they don't have the words or the lyrics because, again, not a musical. Um, As far as Baby Mine, I don't recall. But then again, I was pretty much intently screaming, wanting out. But... Although to to jump topics slightly, uh, in the in the lead up to to recording today, I was I was looking at some of the other upcoming uh, live action Disney things, and I had forgotten they were working on Lady and the Tramp. Yeah, right. Which is that which to is me is what tips the scales. I was like, holy yeah, crap! Which is apparently going to be releasing on Disney Plus instead of in theaters. Hmm. Not shocked. Uh, but the thing is that, like, before, like, I remember Lady in the Tramp kind of fondly, but I also, like, don't have a, I don't have an immediate, like, ooh, I definitely need to watch this, until I found out that Tessa Thompson was going to be voicing Lady, and I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta watch it. Now. Here's the thing. Tessa Thompson is so much fun. She is, and this is the thing. Dumbo, Beauty and the Beast, mm-hmm. um, Cinderella, Ma- Ma- uh, Maleficent. Yeah. They get a really good cast every time. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And yet the movies always suck, outside of Maleficent and Cinderella. Well, they feel, like, so ponderous. Yeah. They're so formative. There's so much, like, I would say that my favorite example of, like, what I would call, like, a really ponderous film is weirdly enough Legend, because everything in it was a fake forest, and everything in it... I love Legend. I know, but that's a good example, because everything in it is so fake, it ends this hyper-realism. It's like a real-life animated movie. Right. Like, like, either, like, lean into prosthetics and the fakery to, like, bring it to this next level, but CGI is so easy when it's done poorly and so lazy, and the movies just don't feel lived in and inhabited and well-acted. They feel just like animatronics wearing skins. Well, and that's why A, Maleficent works, because it's not a great or really a really good film, but it's it tried to do something. To the, yeah, for for once, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Well, they 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 also just real hard leaned into like, ooh, here's our magic forest and like right. the, the the fairy tale ishness of it in a way that I appreciated. And uh, and also, I mean, they were clearly borrowing cribbing really hard from what people liked about Frozen, but the fact that the love at the end was not a heterosexual love, but a platonic love, right, was quite nice. Um, loved that. Um, Cinderella works because they give the stepmother. Three dimensions because it's Kate Blanchett, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah, that's well. I mean, the the counter argument is Kate Blanchett also works really well when you give her no dimensions because right. that's what she was in Thor Ragnarok. Right, but at the <laughs> same time, Kenneth Branagh was, was like, all. "I'll give you a character to work with." Here. So both yeah, yeah, Cinderella yeah. and Evil Step uh, Mom have some, like actual fiction, and it's mm. gorgeous to look at. Oh, the man, others. Yeah. 
uh, eyesores and or they try to answer questions no one wanted answered. Yeah, yeah, that that's the thing. And I feel like that's, uh, again, one of the reasons why, aside from watching the live-action Beauty and the Beast too many times, we've also watched Lindsay Ellis's video on the <laughs> live-action Beauty and the Beast a bunch of times. Because, A, yep. uh, we, we are hard stands for Lindsay Ellis in this we household. We stand Lindsay in this household. <laughs> and, B, because it's, it, like, it's a great dive into that exact problem. Like, oh, must explain everything. Ah. I remember I saw Beauty and the Beast in my favorite house, one of my favorite houses, and one of my favorite seats. Early in the morning, I was one of the only people in the theater, and I hated every goddamn minute of that. <laughs> uh, hate is almost not a strong enough. Honestly, and I know people like, who love it, and I'm like, what yeah. the hell is the matter with you? Like I don't say the- that, but in my head, I'm like, something's the matter. What's broken? Like, the great thing is that I think all of us hate the live-action Beauty and the Beast for very different reasons. Because I don't, I don't have as much attachment to the original movie. Like, it's good, and I, I, I like it a lot. But right. I also like, but the main thing that, that I get caught up in with the, the, the Beauty and the Beast live-action movie is, of course, because I'm me, the design of the Beast is terrible. Right. Boring. And, of course... From the perspective of Thaddeus, the worst thing you can do is a bad creature design. <laughs> uh, so w- one of the things I hate about it is um, Emma Watson sounds like Emma Watson. They're right. all still British, which is annoying. Uh, but the thing that really... It, it's not that this was a problem in and of itself, but to me it was endemic of the problem of the movie, was her god-awful fucking ball gown. <laughs> And it just, it enraged me because you could have either done one of two things. If you should do an exact copy, a perfect yet somehow flat copy of the dress from the movie. And I've seen it. Like, I've been to cosplay conventions. I've seen online pictures. There are people who have made that dress so it looks like it just stepped out into reality. So you can make it. Or you could be like, we're not going to make this. We're going to make something that's a period piece because we're kind of doing a weird period piece which is a, a weird choice, what they did, but whatever. We're going to be doing this period piece dress, so it's going to be evocative that be its own thing. And instead they made this thing that had these, like, flat little, like, like tendrils of fat. Like, I, what? What? And Emma, uh, in some of her interviews, Emma Watson, like, they asked her, like, hey, do you want to do what the Cinderella girl did and wear this, like, insane corset? And she's like, no. No, I don't. Fuck you. <laughs> Which I fully support her decision to do that, if for no other reason than because you don't need to have a 16-inch waist. You need to have big booty cushions on your hips. <laughs> that's, what dresses, that's what made those dresses nuts is the big booty cushions, and they didn't give her a booty cushion. And it's like... I know there's a real term for that, but I'm glad you're not using it. I'm just like, I hope it's booty cushion. I hope like that's literally in the manual of how to booty cushions. I mean, I mean, French is the kind of language I wouldn't be surprised if they just had a literal descriptor like that. Booty <laughs> cushion. I want you to know, there's a movie, I forget the title of it, but it's a, court, it's a courtroom trial movie with Jimmy Stewart. And mm-hmm. it comes. it's like the first movie to use the word panty. <laughs> oh... And uh, having a meeting at the bench, and they're, like they're trying to like, there's a word for ladies' underwear, but the only word I know is French, and it doesn't sound clean. And the judge goes, "Most of them don't." <laughs> <laughs> Anatomy of a murder—that's what it is. But anyhow, <laughs> off topic. 
Oh, yeah. French. Well, I mean, I think I think one of those one of the things that's sort of being being reached for there is like that trying to cross that line to to make something real that was previously just animated. Like you're you're going to be competing with a lot of things. Like you're going to be competing with like what the animation represented to the people watching it, but like not just literally, but also sort of figuratively. Well, it's also what you're talking about, like that translation, because uh, Belle's dress is great for two reasons. And the first is, I lied a little bit, it can't truly be represented in a 3D space. The way it yeah. moves, the way she moves in it, it can't be done. Because there's this great part where she turns and, like, grabs the dress and, like, pulls it to the side. Mm. You can't do that with a dress like that because it actually have, like... Yeah. stuff built into it whether it's Tulane or whether it's an actual hoop but i mean what but it feels real and so yeah. the thing to do is either like we're going to copy this or we're going to do something that's evocative of it and they but I mean, the, failed the but that was that animation like... thing you were talking about earlier jeremiah well the, also the fact that it's basically the same movie shot for shot yeah yeah the fact that they're not doing anything new and is just sort of like eh. but also like the thing that's interesting to me about like a design failure like that both Kara's with the dress and mine with the beast is that Disney clearly could like they like the the template there is Marvel. Marvel has been translating like superhero nonsense very successfully into live action for over a decade now. Like it, there there are ways to sort of synthesize like both the 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 the, the animated i the the drawn idea that you're trying to evoke and the how it would best exist in reality and to do that well. And, like, Beauty and the Beast failed to do that. (laughs) But also, it made, like, literally a ass load of money. Oh my god, so much money. So much money. So it doesn't matter. Does it matter if it's a bad movie as long as it makes money? Yeah, because that's the real thing that it's meant Well, not only about, like, I think, is one of the things, well, I sometimes forget how many live-action remakes there are, because I tend to get stuck in the whole, like, one-to-one correlation, because I forget about Alice in Wonderland. And a sequel. Uh, because can, I, can, I, we, can we talk about the live-action Jungle Book from the 1990s? Because I owned it, and I loved it, and like I always paired it with The Mummy in terms of like the kind of movie that it was. Oh, it's so good. The one with Brandon Lee? Uh, was it with Brandon Lee? Because okay. I'll, have to, I'll have to look at it. That can't be right. Because the greatest part of it is that Mowgli is an adult. Right. And so um, they actually fuse it with a later Jungle Book story. And so, like, basically, these white guys are like, oh, found this, like, ancient Indian treasure in the jungle, uh, and they kidnap this girl that he likes and force Mowgli to go in there. And he takes them through this carnival of horrors, and he kills them all in this, like, trick temple. And then, like, rescues her and leaves. And, like, 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 there's even a thing where, like, it fills with sand and the ceiling crashes down, very much reminiscent of the end of The Mummy. I think Jason Scottley. I apologize. Yeah. Uh, that's. Oh wow. That 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 uh 1994 Jungle Book had a pretty interesting cast. <laughs> it was really good. It had Lena Headey in it. That's fantastic. <laughs> I know. I'm <was> like. <laughs> I love this movie. Oh, I had Carrie Elvis. I forgot that. Uh, and John Cleese. Like, what was well, this? Okay. Sam Neill. Like, how does this? How do I not remember anything about this movie? I remember I the movie. I just didn't see it. it. I I loved it. I loved this. Well, movie. Also, Kara Kara uh, spoiler is a huge fan of the like. She's read all of the like Jungle Book stories as well. Well, Budgie Kipling's a great author. Yeah, the, so. the Kipling 
books and because she has an insane recall for stories uh has very strong opinions about jungle book adaptations i really do well so here's my question speaking of jungle book adaptations live action disney remakes yeah 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 Yeah, right you know where i'm going the john favreau cgi andy uh non-andy circus Jungle yeah. Book. Um, it, again, it was flat. It was flat, and some of the decisions they made, like, oh, we'll make... So, like, Ka, they make him into a jokey villain in, like, the 70s or 80s animated Jungle Book. Classic. He's, kind of, he's like, he's got the, he's got the well, Winnie the Pooh the, voice Yeah, the actor, Winnie the Pooh voice. <laughs> and he's kind of like the jokey villain of that time, but Ka is not that. Ka is a thing of fear and dignity right. yeah. in the books. Like, the dance of Ka is terrifying, and Ka actually often, there's, like, later on in the book where Mowgli's, like, Ka, like, makes himself a bed and lets Mowgli sleep on him while he's thinking, and, like, Mowgli wakes up and Ka's, like, let me, like, like puts him on his feet and, like, calls him, like, little kingly and, like, sends him on his way. And so to make Scarlett Johansson Ka, I'm like, I don't really mind you, like, gender-flipping Ka at all, like, that's fine, but it had no point. Although uh, Christopher Walken as King Louis as a giant ape so, so <laughs> thing, and him like sort of doing his talky thingy thing, uh, that was worth the the like, time. Honestly, the 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 two two things about the that Jungle Book adaptation: a King, you and I are on the exact same page with King Louis. But also mm-hmm. the the main thing that I wish is that I wish Bill Murray had been like twenty years younger because. Uh, Modern day Bill Murray just doesn't give enough of a crap to to really commit to anything that he does in a movie. He just kind of does whatever he feels like. And I feel like if he like he's so close to being what I want from Baloo, but he doesn't quite nail it. And That's I not what like, Baloo is, though. I know, but like animated Baloo is my only reference. <sighs> Tailspin. Oh. Anyhow, um, <laughs> yeah. That was weird. Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Like that, the King Louis moment you mentioned. That one make, that's the best part of the Jungle Book because it's different. Actually, you know what? Uh, Disney could completely turn me around on live-action remakes if they did a live-action Darkwing Duck. Right. Well, I have a feeling that would almost go the way of Howard the Duck, but neither here nor no, there. No, I, I want it to go the way of the Shadow. In fact, if you cast Alec Baldwin as Darkwing Duck, uh, I would be fine with that. <laughs> I'll let you have your own on that one. Um, but... <laughs> Like that's Sorry. that was interesting because you weren't expecting it. It was the one time that yeah. it behaved differently than the cartoon that it was a remake of. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, with the remakes, they tend to be so either shot for shot, or then they go the opposite direction, like with Dumbo. Mm. But then they forget like what the movie's about. Yeah, and it's this weird thing where Tim Burton is the perfect person to do Dumbo. Um, Bill Condon is the perfect person to do Beauty and the Beast. I think I I I I, I kind of agree with you, except I would I would qualify that with a Tim Burton is the perfect person. Right, right. And I don't think the Tim Burton that we have now is the Tim Burton that Dumbo deserves. Well, and this is honestly the best Tim Burton's done in a while, but it's also one of the worst he's ever done. Now, beside the point. (laughs) Um, Mike Forrester is really the person you wanted for Christopher Robin. Hmm. It's just this, almost it feels like no thought really put into it. They're so busy trying to make them for the modern age, they forget that what makes them timeless, if that makes any sense. And I mean, I'm also, I'm a big fan of the the cinematographer for Dumbo, uh, because Ben Davis has also done uh, Doctor Strange, 
and Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, he let which, us down a little bit on Dumbo. Uh, yeah, and so it's it's one of those things where it's like I I like despite not really caring like Dumbo's low tier in like Disney adaptations that I would be interested in seeing. I would much rather just watch Dumbo, right. the original one. Uh, and and thanks for giving things the same title. That's another leg up that Maleficent has. You got <laughs> well again. Maleficent isn't even like it's the opposite view of a story that we know. Yeah, yeah, that like that was what I thought they were gonna be doing. Do you remember? Did anyone here uh, also remember Oz? The Which one? Oh yeah, Oz the Great and Powerful, well, directed by d- directed by uh, Sam um, Raimi. Sam Raimi, yeah, yeah. yeah I was I I, re- I saw that movie in China because <laughs> 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 I was I was out of the country, but I was gonna see it because I was gonna see it. But I I have a soft spot for that movie because I love Sam Raimi's garbage. Like I just but, well, Sam Raimi is an interesting director even when he makes garbage because he's at least visually yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun, uh, design-wise, and even, like, I like a lot about that movie. I, I have a big soft spot. Okay, go ahead. I, I, it is flawed. It was, it was interesting. So, um, weird historical moment for me. Uh, I used to be, like, a really devoted churchgoer, and my church used to do plays about Jesus that were readapts of, like, fairy tales and stuff like that. Okay. Wow. Okay. And uh, The Wizard of Oz is one of them. And so I was the Wicked Witch in that. And uh, I loved it. Green? Did you get to be yes. green? Yes. I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with The Wicked Witch of the West. So I own um, Wicked, but I won't see the Broadway play because it can't possibly be dark enough. As, oh, as, and, as a novel. Yeah. Man. And then uh, when I was in junior high and a little bit into high school, uh, they would always give me the role of the ugly old woman or the witch because A, I was the only one who could act. And B, I was the only one that got real into it. <laughs> so my mom, like when she saw it, she's like, "Oh, are you hyped for this?" I'm like, "I'm so hyped for it. I'm so hyped because if you put the Wicked Witch of the West on screen, like I'm filled with joy. Like it was not a good movie, but uh, Secret. Please don't judge me, audience. Yeah. I actually still have the Are You a Good Witch or a Bad Witch eyeshadows from Urban Decay, and I ration them carefully because even though they're years old and you're supposed to throw them away, they're my favorite eyeshadow palettes. <laughs> so. This I, I also feel it, like this... Mia Kunis was just having a real good time being the Wicked Witch of the West. This brings up an interesting point, because you yeah. kind of hit on it when you brought up the live yeah, action. How long it really is six months, Jeremiah, okay. if you're wondering. No, no, Sarah, no, no, no. The live action remake no of Jungle Book, 1994. Okay. Mm-hmm. This yeah. Is, this is a thing that Disney's been doing for a while. Yeah, way longer than we realized. Right, right. Because when you said Oz, I was like, that's been like seven Oz movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Return to Oz, which is trippy the and The nightmare movie. Oh, the like... Oz movie wasn't a Disney movie, was it? No. Uh, no, but it's still an Oz movie in my <laughs> I'm not actually sure Return to Oz was made so much as it was pulled from the collective nightmares of children. <laughs> God, right? Like, I remember that like a fever dream. Like, I have a better grasp because of... Because it is a fever dream! <laughs> I have a better grasp of the plot of Rock-A-Doodle. Ah. <laughs> uh... Okay, Kara started on Rockadoodle. She has strong opinions. All right, moving have, on. We're not going to talk write, about Don Bluth yeah. cartoons today. We are here for Disney in live action remakes. Yeah, okay. but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, it is it is an older tradition, but I feel like one of the things that we we sort of get at in this discussion is that Maleficent was a a turning point where they became much more of a directed phenomenon. Right. Well, not only that, but now they we knew. Before, also, knowing a slate of movies in advance is a relatively yeah. new thing. Before, yeah, yeah, we just... Yeah. It was... Uh, you had to read trade papers, and those weren't really widely available. 
Well, I think that also, like, getting Angelina Jolie was uh, a masterstroke for that, because she is beautiful, but I think it's weird to be like, oh, like, Maleficent was what turned it, because you can't, you can't pick Angelina Jolie to star in your movie on, like, kind of a gamble, necessarily. Like, I think they yeah. knew what it was going to do, and what's so strange, they made Maleficent, which perfectly fuses, like, what, you know, um, the Oz movie was trying to do, and what these earlier Jungle Books, because, like, the earlier Jungle Book movies, like, a retelling, and then, like, Corel DeVille, and then they get these shot-for-shot remakes, like, Maleficent took all of the best parts of all of those, gave it a huge budget and a lead actress that can, you know, carry yeah. a mountain on her back, and they made something really, really cool and evocative. Mm-hmm. And like, made this beautiful, cool, evocative thing. Let's never do that again. <laughs> well, not only that is, the oh. problem was Maleficent is fascinating. It's kind of a mixed bag, but that's, yeah. that's part of its fascination. And the and fact like that, that it didn't the set the hmm? yeah no 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 I'm sorry I was just agreeing with you it didn't set the world on fire hmm. financially or critically but everyone was like this is really interesting but unfortunately hmm. that's not what Disney cares about because yeah. again for being one of the most financially solvent studios in history they're really not into taking risks yeah which is Although, why the animated live action remakes. Are playing safer and safer in weird ways. Also, also, you, you know, you know what I'm still bitter about. What? People act like John Carter was this huge flop, but proportionally, I think it did about as well as Dumbo. So fight me, everyone. <laughs> All right. Well, we can wait a second. Um, but the things you like, you're right. So it didn't exactly set the world on fire, like the way that like Iron Man just seemed to like blow people's heads off. Right. People were like, oh, that was a really cool beautiful interesting movie that was weak in some ways and strong in others neat go disney and disney was like you're right that was neat we'll never do it again and then they're like but we're gonna make a sequel to it right <laughs> like, like what are they what, what's happening and like you know i i always try to remind myself like the people that run companies and corporations and the government horrifyingly <laughs> enough are the same kids that sat in the back of school on like threw pencils at the ceiling and then fell asleep and when the pencil fell on them they screamed right. like it's the same people so there can't be a master plan for this, but I also like. What 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 are they doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I think what also you... part of it might be the fact that, like I said, it didn't set the world on fire. But I think a lot of people have over the years come to really like Maleficent, yeah. and while these may not be the smartest people in the world, they do tend to listen to people online to some degree in terms of what's popular, yeah. and they're like, you know, people really like Maleficent now. Yeah. <laughs> You know what I would like to see more of, although it's not live action. Disney, more but... makeup palettes. That's what you'd like to see more of. No, I don't. I have no opinion. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I was I was looking at I, I was thumbing through Disney's like release schedule for like when Maleficent came out and stuff that came out around it, and uh, also like later in uh, 2014 was Big Hero Six, right? Ooh, which, yeah. which occupies the weird space where it's like a, a a very strange adaptation of a niche Marvel thing. And I, I, it's a thing that I was hoping to see more of, and they just didn't do, despite the fact that, if I recall, it it was really well received. I have a confession to make. I think yeah. they didn't they put Big Hero 6, though, in um, Kingdom Hearts 3? I don't know. <laughs> uh, what were you saying, Jeremiah? <laughs> I'm trying to remember, but I think I almost fell asleep in Big Hero 6. Really? I was. I found it very charming. I th- no, no, this is back when I was working at Target, so my sleep schedule was through the Oh, oh okay, so you just were dead. Uh, yeah, but I was like, 
I also was like, do I not like the movie? Or it's one more time because I also fell asleep in Captain Underpants, and I enjoyed most of what I saw of that when I was awake. So, yeah. <laughs> but no, like that is a very interesting point. Especially like, I am excited for Lion King and Aladdin because of diversity and the cast. Yeah, and but also, again, I am a, I am a sucker for Guy Ritchie's stupid garbage. Also. Right. <laughs> But uh, again, and I had a really interesting reaction to the Aladdin trailer. Cause initially, I was not excited for it. I was not at all. And then for me, the trailer started, and he's doing like this very banal parkour. And I'm like, oh, so it's going to be like uh, a two-gilded monstrosity like Beauty and the Beast was. Right. And then Will Smith showed up, and I was like so steeled for disappointment that when I realized that they were going to let Will Smith be Will Smith, mm-hmm. that they made the decision of like, oh, the first time we did this, we took a very strongly personality comedian and we let him off the chain and it was amazing. Why don't we take another person who's funny, who everyone loves their personality and just have him run with it? And they did that. And I was like, oh shit, son, I am here. Well, like the whole, like, you gotta be more specific than I wanna be a prince. <laughs> well, this is a thing, right? Because... This is what we've been saying. They always get a good cast. Yeah. Yeah. Because the movie that we just spent like a large portion of the podcast dissing, <laughs> Ian McKellen. That's a great cast. Yeah. That's true. Uh, uh, Stanley Tucci. Gugu Bathura. I'm also incredibly suspicious of my own excitement for this because Aladdin is my favorite uh, Disney movie. It's a movie about a scoundrel who doesn't care about who learns not to care about possessions and a thief. I'm shook. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, But uh, so, like, I'm suspicious (laughs) of my own uh, potential enjoyment, and so you know, maybe there will be a big crash. I love how you so acted like she didn't have your number. (laughs) I know. Look, I know what I am. (laughs) Thief. That's what he is. Um. But yeah, no, it's one of the things where, like, I'm, I I want them to do good at the same time. I'm losing hope with everyone. Hmm. Because I'm just like, because, again, Dumbo, Danny yeah. DeVito, Colin yeah. Farrell, yeah. Michael Keaton, Eva, Eva Green. Like, these are, this is a good cast, and the movie sucks. Yeah, that's a real good cast. And, like, Michael Keaton's, like, decided to, like, start acting again. He, he and... did, but then he did this movie, and I was like, apparently Tim Burton said, no, don't act in this movie. Oh, boo. <laughs> I got like Michael Keaton is like, oh, I'm I'm done not being the guy that everyone wants to talk to anymore, and is like just come out swinging, and so I'm just like very, very curious. I love yeah. Michael Keaton. I'll yeah, watch I, him I, uh, Michael Keaton is is one of those people who not only is very entertaining in a mo- in most movies, in parentheses, uh, apparently not Dumbo, uh, but he also is one of the most fun people to see interviewed. Right, he's fantastic. Just, he's so much fun. Um. Michael Keaton is one of those actors who, like, every role there's at least one scene. He's kind of like Christopher Walken where he'll do something weird. Yeah. Like, um, that one awful Dylan O'Brien assassin movie. There's this moment where he comes down these porch steps, and he Mm -hmm. does this weird little, like, hip, like, Morris Day in the Time stance with his, (laughs) like, as he comes down the stairs. I'm like, there's no need for that, but I love it. And there's, <laughs> n- there's none of that in Dumbo because he's too busy being evil Disney. Although though he does have fun, you know, going crazy at the end as he smashes the gears and everything. But 
You know, it makes me like wonder though. So we have Tim Burton, and the second Alice in Wonderland movie did not do great. Speaking of, I also have that makeup oh, palette. Yes. <laughs> of course you do. You love Disney and you collect makeup palettes. Here's my stunning. question: Is there a bride of boogity makeup palette? A what? A bride of boogity. Uh, no, but there is a Game of Thrones palette. Yeah, I don't. Give that a crap I will not be buying because I don't watch Game of Thrones. Yeah, because... Kara, Kara, no one on this podcast watches Game of Thrones, including you. Like, what, are you, what, are you what are you doing? No, oh, I, I kid you not. At least two other podcasts on this network that do. I'm not. I'm not here to like hose on people that watch Game of Thrones. I just don't have the emotional bandwidth to be sadder than I am. Right, and that's been true since 2011, which I think says a lot. <laughs> but I did because I am crazy. Uh, watched the like top forty most highly rated Game of Thrones clips on YouTube, and then I went and read the entire Game of Thrones Wikipedia article, like all of them, like the whole Game of Thrones wiki. I read the whole wiki, and then later that day, someone said something. I was at like a party, as I do once every two or three months, and someone mentioned Game of Thrones, and I corrected them. They're like, "Oh, are you a big fan?" I'm like, "No." They're like, "Oh, you, you watch it casually?" I'm like, "No, I don't watch it at all." But I did read the entire wiki, so I could argue with you. I do love here that we've just essentially said the Wikipedia is true. Yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> Although, to be fair, I think there's more likely to be an accuracy of plot descriptions in Wikipedia articles. They're, they're, those are probably combed over more relentlessly <laughs> than ones about scientific principles. Oh, right. God, yeah. you're right. Anyhow. <laughs> so... Not only that, but one final complaint about live-action remakes. Okay. They absolutely drain the live-action remakes of color. Yeah. Even though they are, like with Beauty and the Beast or Alice in Wonderland, colorful, they are a drab, ugly color. Which, again, Maleficent was not. Exactly. Was. Maleficent or Cinderella, both of them gorgeous. And it's it's you know I f- it feels a little bit like the some of the more recent trends in the the live action Disney remakes have been a little bit infected by certain bad habits from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. Yeah, like the the sort of flat coloring and and the fact that like I mean the Marvel movies also have great casts like that's uh, I don't know yeah that that's. And- so, so not to be weird, but Michael, Ke- so it's starting to look, it, it's starting to worry me. So like Tim Burton directed the second Alice Wonderland movie that didn't do well. So I don't know why they gave him another movie, but then they got Michael Keaton, who has also worked with Tim Burton before, but who has also uh, apparently sold something vital to Disney <laughs> because he was in Homecoming, uh, wherein he yeah, stole a- the movie, put it in his pocket, gave you the yeah, finger uh, and you were happy to have him there. Yeah, well- <laughs> One of the, uh, I don't know, I have trouble ranking Marvel movie villains, but the Vulture is up there. Yeah. That, oh, I'm that sorry, is... did I say villains? I meant heroes. Uh... Yeah, that is a really interesting relationship to the Vulture. Vulture was right, down with Stark. No, he's he's lying. The Vulture is lying. He can be right, but also lying. He's in it for his own narcissism, just because his narcissism... Karen, this is not a podcast about the arguments that we have at home. This is a podcast about Disney live-action remakes. I was going to say, it's like, this is all well and good. Sorry. Not the point. Uh, uh, I, I'm just wondering, like, how many people... Like, was something like 30% of the American movie industry is now owned by Disney? Yes. Which, again... Uh, wh- goes into the fact that they have so little to lose. Yeah. Why don't they take more risks? Because they don't have to. <laughs> right, but say, uh... 
Uh, yeah, it is. It is confusing. It's like you could do like really amazing things with these properties. And again, even like the Alice in Wonderland adaptation was very lifeless to me. Like I watched it and I liked it. and It was okay. Like I had fun. I bought the eyeshadows, but um, not shocked at all. Like the, honestly, the animated Alice in Wonderland was never wasn't very good either. And so they're like, why don't we take something instead of making something that was mediocre the first time around and making it amazing, why don't we just continue to ride that wave of mediocrity? Right. And I, I don't understand many of the choices they make because they used to, I feel like they used to make bold choices. And even when back when they were like, well, let's just crank out these nonsense, pithy sequels to everything, like some of those were really good. Right, like Toy Story 2 and 3 are better than they have a right to be. No, I'm talking about the, like, Beauty and the Beast um, Christmas special, the sequel to Mulan, the sequel to The Little Mermaid, the sequel to The Lion King, the other sequel to The Lion King, (laughs) the animated Hercules series, the animated Aladdin series. Like, those were all... Weird. Weird. (laughs) Like, they, they went real weird in it. And I'm like, you know, if you can't make it good, at least make it weird, but don't feel it both. Right. Agreed. And so... Yeah, there, I, I feel like the uh, kind of one of the main things that we've all been circling around is the way that, like... Actually, I think the drained color palettes of some of these movies is, is a nice, like, sort of symbolic thing because they're, they're being yeah. drained by a reliance solely on nostalgia and nothing else. Well, yeah. I like, think also... So let's... Be- oh, yeah, sorry. They're less concerned about how it looks on the screen and more concerned about how it looks on your television. And also more concerned with how long the copyrights are going to be. Right. <laughs> well, well, copyrights are a weird and magical thing that don't don't necessarily make sense. Yeah, that's true. Um, Especially if Disney starts to mention it. There is, I think, also, like, because you guys saw Shazam. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was great. It was fantastic. It was... If it's like they were like, hey, do you remember that movie, The Goonies? And that was a lot of fun. And then, like, those sort of like uh, the Sandlot, those sort of like kid focused heist movies where the children were people. Right. Why don't we make one of those okay. and, like, make it good? My point with Shazam was the moment I... it starts, even though it takes place at night, it pops of color. Even yeah, the yeah. cave is more colorful than the entirety of the Marvel they, Universe. Almost. They did the impossible. They made Pittsburgh. Color. Right. Well, not only that, but they keep the drab of Pittsburgh, but they make his suit pop. When he goes inside a foster home, it has color. It yeah. feels alive. Well, there's that scene where he's, like, juggling lightning, and it's actually, I noticed it's raining out. Right. It's this nasty environment, and everyone in this entire movie is like, because it's supposed to take place like during Christmas. They're all right. wearing jackets and hats, and all their jackets and their hats have color. Right. Well, you, know what, you know what's interesting to me about this is uh, like the the Pittsburgh that we see in Shazam feels exactly like the Pittsburgh of uh, Wonder Boys. Nice. Yes, it does, doesn't it? Like it, it feels like. When you actually see, like, a movie trying to evoke Pittsburgh, like, the, <laughs> it's the same one. And it's great, because New York is meaningless now. Like, <laughs> New York doesn't mean anything. Uh, but, like, Pittsburgh is a place, because it has not been sapped of meaning by movies, and, and, cert- and like, filmmakers who use it seem to care about that, and there's something lovely about that fact. Go Pirates. All right, so, we've come to the end of our podcast. Thank Sorry. you, Kara, for coming on. <laughs> Don't I, apologize. I... 
I'm I'm sorry that I I got off topic. I think that we've all learned an important lesson here, which is um, if you clean your makeup palettes, you can keep them for years. <laughs> I yes. agree. We learned that very very much. Yes, yes. How dare you derail this normally incredibly focused podcast? <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that's all the time we have now. Um, join us next time. We will be after this month going to one podcast a month. So be prepared for that. Uh, we'll let you know when we start the spotlight. Um, outside of that, say goodbye, Thad. Bye! Say goodbye, Karen. Bye. <laughs> goodbye, everyone.